welcome to Bookish Society Secrets, hosted by me, Jen Naughton. In case you stumbled upon us and wonder what the heck kind of podcast this is, we give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. Today, I'm chatting with Kayla Rivera, the author of Cece Rios and the Desert of Souls, which released uh, in the future for us, but in the past for you, on April 13th, 2021, so about a week ago. Hey, Kayla. Hi. <laughs> I'm Kayla Rivera. Um, yes, I'm the are. author of Cece Rios and the Desert of Souls, like she said. Um, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So you want to tell us a little bit about Cece? Yes, I'd love to. Okay, so Cece Rios is a 12-year-old girl who lives in Tierra del Sol, which is a dangerous place in the desert uh, at least it's dangerous during the Criatura months when powerful spirits break free from their home in Devil's Alley to threaten humankind. But Cecilia Rios has always believed there was more to the Criaturas that roamed the desert, much to her family's disapproval, as well as everyone in her village. <laughs> uh, after all, it's common knowledge that only brujas, humans who capture and control Criaturas, consort with the spirits, and brujeria is a terrible crime there. But when her older sister, Juana, is kidnapped by El Sombreron, a powerful, dark criatura, everyone in town believes that she's lost forever. But Cece is determined to bring Juana back. To get into Devil's Alley, though, she'll have to become a bruja herself while hiding her quest from her parents, her town, and the other brujas. Thankfully, the legendary criatura, Coyote, has a soft spot for humans and agrees to help her on her journey. With him at her side, Cece sets out to reunite her family. May, and maybe even change what it means to be a bruja along the way. It's awesome. We're going to start there. You're <laughs> going to want to read this book. Um, I'm all, give me all the modern mythology, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially in these cultures that we haven't read about. Like uh, I have a huge um, amount of homeschoolers in my classes. And so they read Greek mythology and Roman mythology pretty commonly and mm -hmm. that's kind of where it ends. Sometimes you get some kids that have read some Norse mythology, but really, I mean, I mean, hat tip to uh, Rick Riordan, who, you know, yeah. brought all mythology back into the forefront and I think paved the way for everybody. But so you've got to tell me, how did you, did you read these stories as a kid? Did you just start researching them as an adult? Tell me. Uh, so it's an interesting story. I spent, I mean, I read lots of mythology as a kid. Like I was super into that, but I read a lot more Celtic mythology. Like I read about Will of the Wisps. I read about that flower lady who goes into the cauldron and then comes out as spring. And like, I mean, the raising the dead and all of these different things. Um, because my, my uh, family is English on my mother's side. So they're actually all in England. My mom's the only one who left. And so I grew up with my nanny sending me lots of books, like mythology books from there. And I was like hungry for them. So she kept sending them. So I knew I know a lot about obscure Celtic myths. Um, so that was most of my mythology growing up. Uh, I read a little bit of Native American mythology as well, because my mom is a great collector of cultural stories, which is fabulous. And I love her for it. 
Um, but I didn't really get much of my Mexican side of the family's stories until I got much older. It was actually in college. Uh, I went off on an adventure to sort of reconnect to that side of the family and stayed with my abuelo over a break during, you know, during a college break. Uh, I learned significantly more Spanish than I'd ever learned in my life. And it was <laughs> fabulous. I loved it. <laughs> Still working on it to make him proud. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing um, like immersion, right? Uh, yes. No, this, seriously. Like, I mean, my mom taught me Spanish and I learned it in high school, but there's nothing like talking to someone else. And especially because the older he's gotten, the less he uses English. So we were like Spanglishing to understand each other. And I loved it because it was like us reaching over two different languages for each other. And it was it was fun. And I learned so much from that. But while I was there, he also told me tons of stories. I mean, I just felt like a sponge. I just wanted to soak it all in. Uh, he told me so many stories about growing up in northern Mexico the way he did in the 1920s. And all of the way that the desert was, the way that life was like, and all of the legends and folklore and all these wonderful stories. Like, he has this... I mean, it's kind of hilarious, kind of spooky, which is like one of my favorite places for stories to exist is somewhere between hilarious and spooky. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, about Alan. his dad. Uh, he told me a story about his dad, um, who he was trekking through uh, two cerros, which cerros is like small mountains. Um, and he was trekking between a, a ravine between them and there's this big river and it's nighttime and it's, uh, you know, in Mexican culture, like, or, you know, at least our family, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody. Um, but like, if something is scary, the way that you survive it is by not looking at it. Like if you don't turn and look at it, it can't get you. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So he's walking through the ravine and he sees something out of the corner of his eye on the waterway floating in white, following him the whole way. And he's like, it's like. Llorona. It's La Llorona. It's the white the wailing woman, the ghost woman. You know, she's the one who became a ghost woman and was cursed because she drowned her children. You know, like he's like, oh my gosh, she's following me. And so he's like, the only way I'm going to survive this is if I don't look at it. Oh no. <laughs> so for like hours, he's trekking through this ravine with his burro and that's, that's a donkey. Yeah. Um, and he, He's walking through and just this this white this ghost is following him the whole way. You can see out of the corner of his eye and he's just like holding his breath, you know, barely breathing the whole way. And then when he's finally out of the ravine, he can't take it any longer and he turns and looks and he can't see her anywhere. Uh, and then he's like, what happened? But then as he's turning, he starts to realize, wait a second, he can see it out of the corner of his eye no matter which way he moves. And he turns <laughs> <laughs> and he realizes... It's actually just the cord from his hat, like <laughs> the cord that holds on his hat, like the moonlight kips kept catching it. And that's what it was the whole time. But like the terror had been real for hours. <laughs> oh, yes. Because it would just stay there. It was moving yes. with those. Watching you the whole way. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Through the whole story, I was like, oh, <gasps> you're like, how did you get away? You're lucky yes. you survived. Yes, exactly. Um, and he told me so many stories. And that was probably one of my favorites. Um, another one about he met a bruja who cursed them because they wouldn't sell her a goat. Uh, and then a curandera who came to heal the curse that she had left um, so that his mom would still be okay. And like, there's so many amazing stories that I was like, oh my gosh, I have been waiting my whole life for this and didn't realize it, you know, to reconnect with this half of my culture or this half of one of my cultures, you know? 
Yeah. Um, so I, and once, once I had that visit, I became significantly more interested in hunting down lots of Mexican mythology, uh, as well as Latin American mythology, uh, wide, because, you know, they can kind of get connected as well, because, you know, when people move around in Latin America, they bring their folklore with them. And that's, that's a really fun thing to see. I also came to realize how difficult it is to find a lot of Mexican mythology and folklore. There's more now than there was then even, um, but like, it's still hard to track down those kinds of books. Like even for research and things like that, I have to look pretty hard because I'm sure there are more of those books. Most of them are in Spanish, not English. And I'm like, well, I'm not good enough yet to read in Spanish. Yeah. Know? So I'm glad to, I'm, I'm, I was happy to be able to write CC and that it was something that the publishing world was ready for and wanted uh, so that I could add to that canon, you know, the Mexican canon in English. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And share with Mexican Americans and with all, all kinds of people across the States and as well as the English speaking world, because I think there are so many legends that are just so fun or spooky or fun and spooky, which is the best yeah. uh, to think about. And I think that, you know, I, when you love mythology, you love mythology. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter yeah. where it's coming from. And it helps you sort of connect. It becomes this really interesting point to jump into someone else's culture and then explore with them. So that's one of the things I like about it. Yeah. And I really think it helps, you know, bridge, uh, you know, any divides, you know, whether they are a long, you know, long-standing divide or just thinking that, you know, some people are just so different than other people, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially for kids, if they, if they, if you read them, the myths and the folk tales of different, different places, you just, it helps build empathy and, um, yes. You just, you learn how people are, you know, are people all over. Yes. No, I think that's, um, that's one of the amazing things to me when I look at mythology is you just see like the ways that we are all human. Yeah. That's always been one of my favorite things. And, we, you know, we all like spooky. We're all yeah. a little bit scared of nature as well as like in awe of it. We're like, wow, you could, mother nature could really destroy me at any minute, you know? Yeah. But also mother nature's beautiful, you know, when she's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's kind of the same reason, like, or not the same reason, but the same way that like you can watch a movie in another language. And when it gets to the funny part, normally you, you know, that's funny, even though you don't know what it is. Like funny is funny universally. So yeah. Like I watch K dramas all the time, you know, like, I mean, it's almost a little dangerous to watch a Korean drama because it's so addicting and enjoyable that yeah. I'm like, you have to put it down to go to sleep. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but like, Five you know, you more can watch, minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, just one more episode. They're an hour and a half long. I just know. One more. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, that's, you know, the more, the older I get, the more I just realize that we're people and the more we can enjoy each other's media and reach out to those common human connections, the more empathy, the more kindness, the more strength we breed as a human family. Yeah, definitely. So how much, or how do you decide as, as this world creator how much of the myth to use and how much to change it to suit what you want it to be. 
That's a really good question. And I think it kind of depends for everyone probably. But for me, um, I have two sort of rules. One, I try to stay as accurate to it as possible unless two other things, which is one, I like something else personally more or two, if it thematically fits in the story better. So, for example, El Sombrerón, who is like a, a major antagonist in my book, um, in actual mythology, he's like a dwarf. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he's like really small, but in the book, he's super tall and intimidating. And that's because I was more interested in the story of El Sombrerón is like somebody who he comes and he braids hair and he's, he's obsessed with hair, but he's also like, he's the person who's He's a siren. He plays the thing and he steals the people he wants, right? And to yeah. me, that's, that is a, a frightening person, really. Like, I mean, in, in mythology, he's almost humorous sometimes. But to me, the concept of somebody who can, who can appear before you and just take you because they want to, like take you away from your home and your family and, and leave them grieving for you and you grieving because you're separated from them, but you have no control over it. Like that's a really scary idea actually. And yeah. so I wanted to like focus in on that and like the dynamics of power and somebody who's overpowering you. And to me, and a nine foot, eight foot tall, um, <laughs> frightening yeah. is much more interesting than a dwarf. who's like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is something about height that, that does make all the difference. And I don't know if it's just, you know, I don't know what it is about humans, but it's like, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Even subconsciously, even subconsciously, we can feel overpowered by people who are taller than us. And I'm like four, ten and a half. So, you know, I live my <laughs> life that way, but <laughs> you're like, everyone is scary. Welcome yeah, to I'm my like, world. Everyone is a giant, but you know, everyone's a giant. So it kind of neutralizes too, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you're like wait everyone can't be scary it must be yeah. okay so you know they're just all giants whatever whatever <laughs> <laughs> so I really liked that Cece was like at her core she was kind and she like she really really wanted you know she she was going to you know save her sister which I don't think is too much of a spoiler to say. Um, <laughs> if it is, we'll just back it up. Um, and but she just treated everyone nicely. Like she would say, I need this from you. And this is why, mm -hmm. you know, she wasn't super, super demanding. Yeah. Um, how did you, so, okay. So basically I'm going to say her, her friends are Coyote and Little Lion and Kit Fox. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. were there friends that you thought about adding or were those like the three that you thought would work for the story like right off the bat yeah I think I I think I just sort of found them as I went you know I'm much more of a discovery writer when I whenever I start into a draft I'm, I'm like the most responsible chaotic person you'll ever meet so, so when I enter a draft, um, I have an idea in my head, but I also tend to jump like, and I write out of order. Um, and I knew that I wanted her to create sort of a series, like a team, like a series of yeah. people she would meet and each of them would be distinct and different. Coyote, I knew pretty early, you know, I, he was the first person I wrote. Um, and then Little Lion, I was like, we need, we need an angry person in here <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to illustrate all of the hurt, you know, cause Coyote is much, is kind of more depressed 
uh, and guilty yeah. when he's not. He wrestles with this hope, this mixture of hope and uh, like, I want to believe humans are good. And this like humans are the worst and I'm sad about it. You know, like <laughs> he's, he's got that sort of complex wrestle in him. And Little Lion is just a fuzzy ball of anger, like for the majority of the book <laughs> <laughs> uh, where he's like, I hate humans they're the worst because they become brujas and steal souls and things like that and i hate that which you know he has he has a lot of um a lot of bad things happen to him so you see why it happened yeah that doesn't make it right it does make it real makes it understandable Um, yes exactly it's understandable we see how he got there um and then kit i wanted kit to be I wanted him to be the soft one, you know, the gentle one, but he's not just, I'm soft and gentle. He's I'm soft and gentle. And I will jump out a window backwards to avoid you. If I think you're going to hurt me, you know, like he's a little skittish, you know, I tried to match them each a little bit to their animal as well. Um, you know, with creative liberties, <laughs> yeah. Like little lion is super short, even though his animal is a black lion, which in this world is like six foot tall. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he's this little boy, you know? <laughs> and he's just even angrier about it for that, <laughs> for those reasons. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I just sort of discovered them as I was writing, you know, is that they sort of just, that's my favorite part of writing, really, is getting to know the characters, because I have an idea of like, this should be the angry one. This should be the sad one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as I write them, I'm excited. I don't go in being like everything about you has to be angry or everything about you has to be sad. I I go into it being like you were generally coming off this way to other people, and I want to get to know you, um, and see why as well as what else about you is different. You know, like Lion is super angry and is like all the time uh, and threatening. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I but has- I liked it. <laughs> actually <laughs> he's really fun he is <laughs> he's ironically really fun because he has a he has a stunning level of honesty yes. that while sometimes hurtful is also sometimes helpful you just has to learn how to cultivate it better uh, but he also has these soft moments later like when he realizes that cc is not lying to him the way he thought she was about, you know, he she wasn't trying to coerce him and per, and manipulate him like the last person he dealt with was. Right. Um, he, he starts to realize, wait a second, she might really actually be the good person she's, she seems to be. And when he realizes that, he, he's still a grump, you know, but he also, he's also like the first person to jump to her side to help her with something because he realizes it's safe to yeah. and like realizing that all of like a lot of his stuff comes from a, a feeling of safety wanting to feel safe or wanting to make other people safe actually like that is a, a core of who he is and I love experiencing and discovering that as I go so yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly what I would expect from you. I mean, having met you like a half an hour ago, but you know, I feel like you get to know people by the, like, if, if you can make up a super entertaining story with all these different characters showing all these, you know, very human traits in a humorous way, then, you know, you must be pretty good. Ah, thanks. (laughs) Um, How long did you work on this story? Like, yeah. Uh, like so a is long it time? a short time? Uh, 
it's, I'm not really sure how to measure it anymore is the weird thing, you know, <laughs> looking back on it. Cause I wrote CC for NaNoWriMo actually. Oh my gosh. Um, that's so yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, back in 2016 and I got most of it done. Like I definitely hit my nano goal at the time. It was, I hit 50,000 words and then I probably hit somewhere closer to 70. Right. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I could write very fast and I write a lot, but it can also be, like I said, a little bit chaotic. So then it's sort of in pieces. There's random places where the scenes don't connect and things like that. Uh, so I left it alone. I hadn't technically finished it just because there was like missing, like missing scenes, connecting everything, making an actual timeline that's easy to follow, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I waited for that. And then I got my first job. Uh, and I moved. And then once I had moved and I'd been at my job for like about a month or so, I was like, okay, I feel like concrete enough that I can go back to this story. I really want to finish it. Uh, so I did. And I finished it in, I think, a weekend, just tidied it all up, put it together, and then ran it through and started reading it. So the actual first draft was pretty quick. If you look at it, it was more like maybe two months you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I'm a fast writer. That's not totally unusual. But after that point, once I got my book deal and I was like, yay, it's time to make this different, you know, let's, let's make it even better. Uh, then I started to realize how much revision actually takes. And I was like, oh my goodness. Cause I'd revised lots of books. I'd written about 10 books before this book, mostly for myself, but you know, <laughs> yeah. um, gaining experience. And then, uh, and then when I had to start doing revisions, they're like, you have to answer all of these questions now that you sort of made vague, or you have to make these um, character arcs much more concrete, you know, and like, I have to start paying attention to all the details that it sort of glossed over, like the, the story was complete, but it wasn't as rich as, as it is now. You know, okay. there's, there's more in it now. So what um, does that look like when you get it? Is it like a Google doc with like a million red marks on it? <laughs> well, there's a, usually an edit letter and that's where everything's summarized. Um, okay. And your editor sends that. And I, I read through it and I was like, okay, okay. And you have to think about it and decide what things they're right about and what things you're like, you're probably right about that, but I don't think that's the way to fix it. And that happens a lot. I also work as an editor in my day in my day-to-day. Oh, so it was um, a little easier for you, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm familiar with the process, you know, yeah. I still feel things, you know, or, you know, I still recommend <laughs> most people. You know, Did you get respond. any hurt feelings where you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> there were things where I was like, no, I don't want to get rid of that character Aww. or sometimes mostly like getting stressed out. Yeah. That's more, that was more of what it was where I was like, I know that all of these things are right, but how do I do it? Yeah. <laughs> how do I do that? And it's amazing because you, you get really stressed out and you're afraid you don't know how to, how you're going to pull it all together. Um, even though you can see that it needs, you can see where it needs to be, but then suddenly you get one idea and you're like, oh my gosh, like there's a character in, in there who's sort of CC's mentor, uh, Dominga del Sol. Uh, and Dominga del Sol, she didn't exist in like the first like three versions of it. Like she was added much later, but she solved significant, like so many problems, you know, I was like, oh my goodness. And I thought it made it richer for it. She helped pull together the whole uh, magic system, the world building things Cece wouldn't know, but Dominga del Sol does know. Um, she helped offer Cece a mentor character to guide her. Uh, like a a kind one. And she offered like a nice female support character, which everybody needs, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 
So like you know, things like that, like suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, one character can fix everything, you know? Um, and there are like scenes that I miss. There was a um, pillow fight. There oh. was a pillow fight. <laughs> yeah. There was a pillow fight in one scene and it was after Coyote gives some background in the story about how the gods made him uh, and how he is the first creatura. And it's like some pretty heavy stuff. And then it ends up getting broken by everybody having a pillow fight. And it's sort of this cute bonding moment with all three creaturas and Cece because like Cece hasn't had like really any friends. So it was like a really sweet moment for me. And I was like, oh, my little girl making friends. <laughs> <laughs> she's found her people yes exactly and it made me so happy and I had to cut it and it made me so sad <laughs> but it needed cutting because other things were more important than that and that there are other scenes where Cece and the Creatoras bond right you know I like I love this I like having both super charged exciting scary fight scenes and having really quiet fun cute moments you know I like both of those things and sometimes I write the latter like I write really long scenes about the latter and they need to get trimmed back significantly so I just know that's inevitable it makes me a little sad but I don't think anyone really missed anything and I think that there are lots of cute moments in the story that help balance it between their epic fights you know <laughs> yes yes which I enjoyed by the way there was like I I like a little implied violence you know yeah 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 I mean I was as a kid I was I was in taekwondo as a kid and I did mixed martial arts and I did like all these other things so like fighting has always been a thing for me so I was like yeah I want a fighting tournament <laughs> yeah so writing exactly. that to my middle grade self who would have been so like woo, <laughs> so, excited. <laughs> so what spoiler would you want to give us about this book Okay, I think what I want to tell you, without telling you uh, too much, is that while Cece ends up having to, like, she goes undercover as a bruja, as, you know, as the mm -hmm. description tells you, and she has to gather these soul stones to fight with her criaturas in the bruja fights and things like that. Uh, and everyone it has these different expectations of her people who don't want her to be a bruja, people who want her to be more fierce, more cruel to be a proper bruja. But she starts to realize there's another option. And that other option is just as magical and just as powerful, but it's it's more herself, it's and it's more good. So awesome. I think that there's a really there's a really cool, there's even a little avatar moment. If anybody has watched Avatar The Last <gasps> Airbender, there's a nice. pretty cool avatar moment, you know, with some glowing, some epic magic. And you know, I think that uh I think you'd be excited to read it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about Avatar, but yeah. <laughs> That's My editor called it out and I was like, you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay. You're right. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. So the number one question that bookish kids ask when we're done reading a book is, is this the start of a series? Well, I'm not technically allowed to answer yet. So we have to but... wait and see. Right. Right. But not technically, if but called yeah, upon, I hopes. <laughs> you're not done with her, right? You're not like, no, right. I'm not interested in writing about CC anymore. You right. would. No, I'm super, super interested. In fact, okay. I am writing something I can say for myself right now. Fingers Just crossed for more. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I would love to take people on another adventure with CC and her criaturas, this time into Devil's Alley with her older sister, Juana. 
Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I would read that. <laughs> hey, I'm all yeah. about that. <laughs> You're like, okay, us. we've got to do this. I have sold one. <laughs> I have sold one. <laughs> Take that to my publisher. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's one person who will buy this. I promise. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and she will make 35 other children buy it too. <laughs> yes, it will, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. We're in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Gosh, I think that's it. Was there anything else you wanted to tell us? Um, I would just say uh, follow me on uh, Instagram or Twitter, whichever one is more comfortable for you. Um, and you might hear more updates on any possible sequels, any other books. And, and I like to make art based on CC and my books. So you can check them out there. Um, and I would also say I have two middle grade, uh, book recommendations if y'all are interested. Oh, that's right. I'm forgetting my own thing. Shoot, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'm so ready to talk about books. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so there's one called Josephine Against the Sea and it's by Shakira Bourne and it comes out in July, I believe. I think it's July. Yes, I think it's July. Uh, and it's about a Caribbean girl uh, who and who's like whose mother has died uh, and she's playing lacrosse and she's just trying to help her and her dad be happy. Uh, and then her dad starts dating the terrible dating. So she starts to she harasses all of her dad's girlfriends until they go away. But then she accidentally awakens a sea spirit. And then suddenly the next day. Her dad is dating a new girl who does not scare easily. And she has to start protecting her dad from a vengeful sea spirit. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Like yes. shades of Little Mermaid a little, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like almost yeah. like a reverse Little Mermaid. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like a opposite world. Yes. I, I love the idea. I think it's uh, super exciting. I'm super excited for it. Um, and the other one is something that's out now. There's actually, it's a graphic novel. There's, I believe, eight, maybe nine volumes out. I have a hard time remembering. Um, but it's called Space Boy. And it's a sci-fi, it's a sci-fi graphic novel, like uh, about a girl who lives on a mining colony, but then she gets frozen for 30 years and taken to, uh, to Earth because her dad lost her job on the mining colony. So she's 30 years out of time. And suddenly she's 30 years in the future. And she's adjusting to Earth where like, whoa, you can walk outside without you know needing a suit <laughs> oh wow and you know looking at oh my gosh look at the seasons change and all of this stuff and it's lyrical and beautiful and she meets a guy who it's like a kind of a romance and it's kind of a thriller and it's about a guy who seems like he amy i'm not selling this well i'm just realizing i'm not selling this well but it's so good amy uh is able the main character is able to identify people's flavors you know like what kind of person they are and you know like her best friend is pineapple jalapeno and like things like that and for the first time she meets a guy who has no flavor and it freaks her out and she's like what is happening uh, but as she gets to know him she gets embroiled in a like hundred year thriller like government conspiracy about aliens and like uh, a first contact project that everyone's been hiding and like it, and it's amazing and it's so it ends up being like an interstellar romance but it's so nourishing and so beautiful and so cute and interesting like I cannot say enough good stuff about Space Boy I highly recommend you pick up the first volume or 
if you want to read it for free, you can actually read it for free on Webtoon as well. And that still helps support the creator. So oh, check cool. it out. Awesome. <laughs> and I know it's very far away, but you know, there's so many books and so little time, but mm-hmm. in December, our tween group. So what are they? 10 to 12. They're going to be reading uh, Cece and The Last Wind Witch. So maybe if your schedule allows, you can either drop in on us or, you know, maybe I can send you some questions that the kids have and you can. I would love that. Yeah. I love supporting kids reading. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, thank you for remembering the book recommendations. I almost forgot. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) I was I was excited to talk about Space Boy and um, yeah, and, against the sea. And so I, was like, I oh. haven't heard of Space Boy. Josephine, yeah. I have on my Kindle waiting to read, but um, Space Boy is one I haven't heard of. So yeah, that's... not a lot of people have, and now it's sort of my crusade to make sure everybody knows about it because it's so good. Like I can't like it handles mental health even in this really gentle but like super accurate it's just so humanist and beautiful like i i cry during it and i laugh during it and like it's just it's really good (laughs) oh that sounds awesome and it's a graphic novel right yeah yeah and it's like it's even the writing in the graphic novel you know like uh, like graphic novels like the writing is just sort of a support to what's Mm -hmm. going on Um, but in this one it's lyrical and beautiful like not not so thick that it's dense at all you know not like that it's just that where it is used even sparsely to support what's going on it's just beautiful writing so I'm like wow it just has everything (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, if I'm hoping that we get more kids enrolled, because like, you know, one of my, you know, next step goals would be like letting kids sign up for like a whole year of like whatever their genre, like read a whole year of graphic novels or read a whole, you know, read a whole year of nonfiction because there's like a style of book for every kid. Yes. And so right now I try to like mix it all into one, but I think it would be just a very cool project to let kids, you know, just like spend a year, read the the best of this, read the best of that. And that you know. would be awesome. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, and of course, you know, idea. a year of mythology would be very high on my yeah. list. That would be near impossible for me though. Cause trying to create a, <laughs> How do a I book pick? list for that. Would be... <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no, that's my a mom... fun problem. Yes. My mom, um, I was homeschooled and my mom was a fabulous teacher. Um, and she would like at the beginning of each year, she'd be like, all right, what are you interested in this year? And I'd be like, I really want to know more history. And she was like, okay, do you have specific areas? And I was like, not really. Uh, I just want all the history. And she was like, okay. So for history this year, I'm going to focus on these things. And, you know, like she, she just made me very active in what I wanted to learn about. And I think it was a really good idea because I now know how to research and I know how to chase the things that I want to know, which ends up being really helpful for novels. (laughs) It does. Yeah. You get to be a really good researcher in, uh, in homeschool, but I think that's good because you're, you're not intimidated, you know, no one's going to be like, if people ask you to do something, you're just like, all right, let me find out how to do that. Yeah. You learn how to learn. That's, that's my favorite thing. You know? Yeah, you do. (laughs) 
And yeah, that's kind of how I approach my homeschool too. Like this past year, my teenager was like, I don't really know much about government. And I was like, all right. (laughs) All right, let's do this. Let's do this. And it was, you know, I was like, also watch the news every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You start to get context. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that was easy. I'm like, wow, okay, this is going to be, it's like full world immersion. I was yeah. like, do you want to learn about viruses too? Because that's also going to be <laughs> right now. You'll have a lot of context for that right now. Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. No, You're thank like, you. okay. <laughs> that's Not great. so much, mom. <laughs> Yes, but yeah, I would love to um come on to the like come on to the podcast or come on, like come on and visit us at the Bookish Society. Yes, I would love to. I would yes. absolutely that's that's very, very like supporting homeschool kids is very up my street because cool. Yeah. And we sound much more <laughs> fancy than we are. We're just like yeah. a bunch of goofballs. But, the you Bookish know. Society. I mean, that's that's what you want, right? You want to yeah. like open the door wearing like a full suit and then they come in and there's a bouncy castle. So I know. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they're all renaming themselves like, you know, like the evil of the darkness. And, you know, <laughs> I love that stage. I totally did that. I think my name at like 14 or something was like Yusuke Shredder online. I was like, yeah, yeah, Yusuke Shredder. Everybody yeah. thought it was an allusion to um, the Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which it wasn't actually. But, you know still sounded epic so i took it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's the time that you know come up with your alter ego right yeah right exactly <laughs> that was that's the that's the stage i remember it well <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the best stage all right well thank you so much for coming on and um i hope that you know i hope again that you come and join us at the bookish society in class and that you know when your next book comes out that you know you let me know so you can come back and and promote that too i would love to it was so nice um meeting you over the internet now we're now we're book friends yes internet book friends best All right. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me. You can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And if you're interested in our bookish society offerings, head over to our website, which is shockingly thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic, and I will see you all next week.